Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you today? How is your summer going? So um, my guest and I were just talking about, he's in Tallahassee here as well, and we were just talking about how hot it's been. I think yesterday the the heat index was 112 degrees, so we were talking about the fact that we just don't go outside if we can avoid it. Um, I want to introduce my guest is Ron Frazier, and how I met Ron is through a mutual friend here in Tallahassee who had been kind of talking me up to him. He teaches at Florida State University, and um, she had been in to teach to talk to some of his classes and, and thought that I would be a great fit, and I think I came in and talked to three of your classes uh, back in the spring and had such a great time and and several of those students have reached out to me afterwards and I've had one-on-one appointments with them or they've asked me questions on you know email or on social media and it's been really fantastic so Ron why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself okay all right well thank you and uh yes uh and we've become pretty good friends in a very short period of time. I really enjoyed that. So, and I'm really excited about what you're doing. So, um, as far as my background, I went to the University of Missouri. I got an undergraduate in business and computer science. Well, I computer, completed all the computer science courses. I didn't complete all the humanities courses. Um, and, and I guess one of the funny parts about that is I, I said there's two things. Uh, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but I know I don't want to have anything to do with computers and I don't want to have anything to do with sales. So I uh, went on to get my MBA while I was there at the, working for the university. Then I spent a year in the nuclear utility industry. Fascinating industry, really enjoyed it. Probably the most fascinating job, one of the most fascinating jobs I ever had. But I was a finance computer guy in a, in, and you need to be a nuclear engineer if you really want to be where the action was. So I decided to move on. Uh, went to work for MasterCard um, and spent about a year there. Uh, really enjoyed that as well, and then decided to join a little startup consulting, uh, computer consulting firm based out of Dallas. Um, very small revenue, uh, but it was the right time. The market timing was right, and the business just exploded. We grew from about 17 million to 65 million in about three years' time. The original owner said, "Hey, we, this this thing is now worth something. Let's sell it." Um, and gave us some, some input into kind of the sales process. And so anyway, we were acquired um, by a gentleman uh, based out of Houston uh, named Mike Willis. And Mike's idea was, I'm going to buy however many companies it takes to get to a billion dollars in revenue. I'm going to take this company public and I'm going to buy the Houston Rockets and I'm going to do it in three years time. So in, 70, um, in 19 months, we bought 72 companies. We did get to a billion in revenue. We did take it public. Mike, unfortunately, didn't make enough money to buy the Houston Rockets. But So that's the only piece of the uh, project that fell through. Um, a year later, then we bundled up all the internet projects and took that as a, spun that out as a second IPO, as a second business. Um, then started selling off the pieces and then was acquired by one of the big uh, internet service providers, PSINet. Had our name on the stadium in Baltimore and so forth. Um, we spent a couple years there. It turned out they really didn't have a revenue model. They just had a, a really high stock price. So when the, when the collapse occurred, um, then we spun that out and sold it to a company out of Denver called Cyber. So I spent, uh, you know, I said, I don't, have, I don't have anything to do with sales. I don't want to have anything to do with computers. 
and I spent 20 plus years in computer technology, computer technology sales. So be careful what you say, because if you go back to uh, to alumni events, you're going to hear uh, people going to laugh at you. They, you know, it's like guys that was that was that was 40 years ago. Let's let's let that go. Um, but they still <laughs> laugh at me. So. Um, so anyway, um, along that course, I, I became a fellow at Wharton. Um, there's about 320, 325, 350 of us across the globe. We meet three or four times a year for two or three days. Usually has the, the session has a topic. There was a design topic and we met in Copenhagen and we met in Milan. Um, so things of that nature. So really, really enjoyed that. I also started going back to the University of Missouri and talking uh, in the MBA program. And I told my wife, I said, you know, this, I, I love what I'm doing, but at some point this corporate gig is going to be over. And when it is, I really want to go back into higher education. And so um, I retired at 51, thought I wanted to play golf every day. Found out that was just hanging out with Groucho white guys. I could go to work and do that. That wasn't what I wanted to do. And a friend came along and said, hey, they're, they're looking for a second entrepreneur in res- residence over at FSU. Why don't you go over and you see what you know maybe you got a shot at it and and i got hired um and and i loved it i've been doing it for about eight years uh working with young people starting businesses we'll talk about that a little bit later but um and then uh just within the last i guess three years two or three years i i went to stanford um and picked up a graduate certificate in bio design so um so that's that's kind of a little bit of my background and and kind of how i got to where i am today which is at Florida State University, being an entrepreneur in residence, teaching some classes and helping young people start businesses. I love, I love your story. I love so many parts about it. When Ron and I met and realized we had the Missouri thing in common, that was something we talked quite a bit about. I worked, if you guys have heard me talk about Truman State University, I was there for 12 years, I think it came out to be, as the director of the Career Center there, which is way up in the corner of Northeast Missouri, and as any Missourian will tell you, who lives below the middle of the state, which we call I-70, the interstate, we didn't count. We were irrelevant because really there were very few humans above I-70, and it was mostly cows and corn. However, it was a fantastic university. And I also love the fact that, you know, you said I never want to be in sales or technology because I find that whatever you say you do or don't want to do at age 22 is usually has really the opposite effect on your career. Because when I was entering college as a music major, I was going to go straight through, get a PhD, and I was going to be the dean of a school of music. Um, and in fact only taught in the public school system for three years and left music with a great education from FSU and have used that education degree in many ways but did not continue a career in music so you're right be careful what you what you uh, wish for or what you say you won't do (laughs) well and to kind of add to that story I I was very introverted as a child in fact um, I married my high school sweetheart and we laughed that on our first date I paid for the, the Cokes at McDonald's, but she had to be the one to go up to the counter and order. So, so after we had three kids and uh, we've been married and had three kids, I, I come home one night and say, well, what happened was I went in to get an interview for a technical promotion and, I ha- and, and we were trying to build an office in St. Louis and our sales guys just sat in the office all day and talked about sports and what they were gonna, where they were gonna go to lunch. Um, and, and so in the course of the interview, I said, you know, someday I'd like to talk to you about sales because 
I don't know anything about sales, but I won't sit in my office all day. And uh, I'll never forget my boss folded up his book and scooted over to the side and says, okay, that's what we're going to do. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. I said, I want to talk about that. He goes, no, 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 we're going to do it. And so I went home and told my wife I was going into sales and, and, and God bless her. She's, you know, she's been a, the blessing of my life. And she's like, well, okay, you know, we'll give it a good try. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, you've got the finance skills and the computer skills. You can make a living in this world. Now, then like 10, 15 years later, she goes, oh, that was like the most terrifying night of my life because I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to starve to death. <laughs> tell me at the time because I remember I started uh, of all days I started on April 1 in sales mm -hmm. and I remember laying in bed the night before saying I have just screwed up my whole life what was I thinking and yet it turned out really to be the blessing of my life so I think that's so funny because I love it when people go to their boss and they're like I have this great idea for something for our business or our department and what they never seem to realize is that they're going to be the one carrying that forth if it's going to happen it's going to be them and so you know, think about that before, <laughs> before you go forward. So I didn't know until we talked very recently, kind of setting this up about that FSU's entrepreneurship program and the major is quite unique. I, I certainly thought when I knew that FSU had one, I thought, well, gosh, I don't even remember Truman State University having an entrepreneurship course much less a major, and I hadn't heard, you know, my clients weren't coming through with degrees in entrepreneurship, and I didn't realize how rare that was. So can you talk a little bit about kind of how that started and, and how unique that is? Okay, so we are the first college of entrepreneurship, right? uh, first true college of entrepreneurship. We were the second standalone school of entrepreneurship. The difference between the school and the college is whether you have the graduate programs or not. Um, but with the addition of the graduate programs this fall, we are the first college of entrepreneurship. That's cool. Traditionally, I, most most colleges, most uh, entrepreneurship programs are in the business school. Mm -hmm. And uh, FSU, um, just incredible leadership at FSU, incredible visionaries. Several things I wanted to say about that as we go along. But um, but one of the things they said was, you know, entre this entrepreneurship is so much bigger than just it incorporates the business school experience, sure, but it, but it really it spans the campus, right? And so, um, so yeah, so it's a it's its own standalone program. First class just graduated, right? So very very excited, and obviously a very very generous gift from the Jim Moran family and and foundation of of a hundred million dollars to get it off and running. Oh wow, so. that's amazing! And 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 by the way, listeners, if you didn't go to Florida State, I promise you this is not going to be a love fest on Florida State. Although it's going to sound suspiciously like that, but it really is about entrepreneurship. Um, if you listen to my episode a couple of weeks ago, I had Shrog Shaw, who's another Tallahassee entrepreneur here, and I wanted him to have the to give you the experience of kind of starting a business, right? Kind of right out of the gates from college. I mean, he did a few other things as he talked about, but really very young started his own business. And so I thought that the nice, a nice kind of compliment to that would be talking to Ron about that educational development and what he's seeing in very young people. Cause I think back in the day, certainly when I was coming up, entrepreneurship wasn't allowed for, you know, 20 year olds. You had to be 45, I think there was like some sort of rule, <laughs> you know, you couldn't apply for a business license until you were 45 or something. It just wasn't anything that I ever saw young people doing. And if they were doing it, they were probably doing it poorly. And that has shifted 
really 180 degrees. And so to that point, talk a little bit about what kind of students choose to major in entrepreneurship. Um, it's very, very broad based. Um, just unbelievably so, which makes it fascinating and also challenging to be the instructor for. Um, but, but we have students go on to uh, start their own business, literally right out of college. We've had some be very, very successful at that. Um, we have students who go on to more traditional jobs to get a few couple of years experience before they launch their own business. Um, and then we also have a whole set of students that are going on to um, law school. And uh, last night I was uh, writing a recommendation for a young man for, uh, for a medical school. So we've, we've had several medical school students go through entrepreneurship as, as well. That's fascinating. That was the one that really surprised me when you and I talked before was the, I kind of saw maybe the law school a little bit more than the med school. So we talked about that and kind of what maybe they were, they were doing that for. I, I also understand that every one of the majors has to start a business. So what are some of like those businesses that they've started? What are some of the trends you see and what have been some of the kind of the biggest successes that have stood out to you? Um, well, it's interesting. I read uh, within the last day or two, I read uh, an, an article about that, that alleged, I'm not sure I totally buy into this, but alleged that 50% of millennials have a side gig or have a side hustle, have a side business school. And I, 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 that's a phenomenal number. But I do know, I, I went to South by Southwest this spring and sat in on a presentation where uh, a number of major corporations talked about that they had created guidelines for employees for their side hustles, for their side businesses. Oh, that's interesting. Let's let's talk about that in a minute. So let's 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 finish this one, and then I want to know about that. So, okay. what are you seeing with these these businesses that they've started? So, so we're seeing a lot of successes. Well, first of all, let me say, you know, everybody everybody in the program. There's about a hundred students enter the program each each fall. Um, everybody has to be part of a. Either they can do it alone, which I don't recommend, but they can, or they can do it as part of a team and start a business. Obviously, you go through all that drama of, of idea creation and my idea is better than yours and why don't you join my team? And, um, and, and people think that, oh, we're going to be a great team and sometimes that works out and sometimes it don't. So it's a, it's a very dynamic, fluid process. We, we covered, it's over two semesters. So the first semester, at the very least, we try to get that you came up with a business idea. Second semester that you actually get to where you have some sales. And in April, we go out on the, on, the, on the big green on campus and put up a bunch of tents and our students are in there selling, hopefully their, their products or their services. So as far as successful ideas, let's see, this last year we had a, we had a young lady start a group called Dorm Baskets. Basically, she's advertising to parents, you know, mamas in particular, let's be honest. Uh, juniors off at college and guys should be nice to send them. I don't, what do we call them? Care baskets or something? I don't yeah, know. care baskets. Care, I remember we used to get like, somebody get chocolate chip cookies in the dorm and then, you know, that's a long time ago, but, um, but, but really nice basket for the holidays. She has get a uh, get well set of baskets, uh, just a welcome to college. Welcome to FSU. Um, and, and this is not FSU focused. Her long-term goal is to do this. Um, interestingly enough, this young lady um, had another idea that she wanted to execute, which she may yet execute, but she needed money to do it. And she got to talking to her mother and her aunt, 
and they um, in the Miami area had made baskets for uh, Bon Voyage baskets for the, for the cruise lines. And so she had, so she had kind of an instant expertise to go along with her. So she's dorm baskets. You can go out there and check it out on Facebook or the, or the web. Really cool. Um, another group is called 3D Paws, P-A-W-S. Um, and what they do is they 3D print images of your dog. And they do it um, as, as opposed to the plastic, which is hard to get the coloring right. They actually do it with sandstone. Um, and it makes a beautiful image of your dog. You take about three pictures of your dog, you send it to them, they 3D print your dog. Eventually what they wanna do is, um, and then have a, a, a little storage area inside there. So if you elect to cremate your dog, you could put the remains in there. You have an image of your dog up on the mantle as opposed to a little brown box or whatever. Aww. So, as a yeah. dog lover, that one really touches my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that one, uh, that one seems to get people. Yeah, yeah. And they've uh, they've worked really closely with uh, Tom Makota over in the film school. Tom was the senior visual effects guy on Avatar, and so um, he's a you know he's one of the world's gurus on texture and shading and so forth. He's he's been invaluable to them in terms of so. Um, and that's true of all of our student businesses. That you know, I, I basically say you need to go find ten mentors, ten people that can give you some ideas. So. Um, another is Sun Grown Bakery, which is, uh, it's vegan food um, with uh, CBD oil in it. Okay, so, so we created a little <laughs> bit of excitement on campus with bringing up the CBD oil thing. Um, but no, it doesn't have the, uh, the psychedelic qualities of, I guess, THC. I've, I've actually learned some of this, Lisa. I, I didn't know all this going into this. Um, well, you know, now, and I find it amazing because when these young ladies came with this idea to me, I said, you know, um, I work out at the, one of the local health clubs and it's unbelievable the 60s, 70s, 80 year olds that are, you know, using CD, CBD oil and, and medical marijuana and so forth to ease these life's pains as we get older. So. But anyway, there's a number of ideas along those. It's, That's it's, fun. It becomes more, more sophisticated, more technical every year. It's fascinating. So, so I think my, my thought when you talked about the, the millennials and 50% of them doing kind of side gigs is I wonder, it would be so fascinating to go back and find out what their primary reason is. And I wonder what percentage of the 50% are doing it because their student loans are so high that they're trying to make ends meet. And, and so the side hustle is basically to pay off the student loan, but that's just a thought. So, so there are companies now, because this is a question I get asked a lot with my, I have a, a fair number of kind of middle-aged entrepreneurs who are wanting to go back into corporate life for whatever reason, and they are concerned about how they present their entrepreneurial venture, particularly if they have no intention of ending it in a way that, you know, is good for them and their brand and doesn't, you know, raise any red flags. So, what was the what was the talk? Was it about kind of the taking your time away from your primary job? Was that kind of what the concern was at that conference? It, it's amazing that there are a number of companies in the Middle East. It's kind of a Silicon Valley trend that's that's in Austin and so forth. Um, but there really is a trend to to almost encourage it and promote it, right? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So I. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to happen anyway. So I think having some guidelines about how all that occurs is probably um, beneficial. You know, from our perspective, we're we're taking the perspective of 
okay, well, your number one priority isn't a job. Your number one priority is this degree program. But, but a component, a side gig of this, of this uh, degree program is to, uh, is to get a business up and running. I would also say, I think, I, I hadn't thought about the student loan angle, but I, I think there's a possibility of that. Um, I also think plays heavily into it uh, in, in this particular generation, maybe the ones that are just a little bit older, the whole downturn in 2008, everything, you know, and, and, and a lot of what their parents ex experienced kind of encouraged them to think about having a backup plan. Yeah, that's a really good point because these students that are graduating now were old enough to know what that, what was going on and kind of have at least on some level and, and know the, you know, see the effects of it. So that's a really interesting conversation. And I think it's like anything else that kind of comes up in the public awareness, whether it's, let's just say when, you know, cell phones, <clears throat> excuse me, when cell phones became a big issue, companies then developed a policy around personal cell phone use at work. So now that so many are starting entrepreneurial ventures, let's, let's figure out how we can leverage this to our benefit and then put some kind of parameters around it so that people aren't getting paid by us to do their side hustle. So I can see that being an increasing um, conversation out in, in corporate America. So tell us a little bit about some of um, some of kind of you just graduated your first class. So this group that has just graduated, what are some of them specifically like going on to? Are they, you know, if you had to kind of break down them by percentage, how many of them are going straight into their jobs? How many, you know, a job, how many of them are going straight into entrepreneurial ventures? What kind of things are they doing it, to the degree that you know that? Um, yeah, I, d I don't know the exact percentages. Uh, I, I think we're working on, ca on getting all that put together. Um, I would break it. I'd say, I'd say there's three big areas. So there is a, there is a set that have started their own businesses. Um, obviously, that's, you know, that's a timing. And, and do you have that executable idea? Um, do, you have, do you have the what financing it takes to pull that off uh, lined up? Um, there are a group that's, that's got some incredible jobs. Um, and, and by the way, I've uh, just out of curiosity, I've on LinkedIn, I've, I've connected up with about 6,000, must be about 6,000 FSU alumni this summer, just, just kind of playing around. Wow. Um, and, and it's unbelievable where FSU alumni are. I mean, they are just everywhere doing some incredibly fascinating things. So, um, but, but we did have some of the, uh, the May graduates get some fascinating jobs. We have a young lady that um, is working in artificial intelligence up in Atlanta and she's applying to, to go to graduate school in China for a year um, and, and get a, a graduate degree in, uh, in the field of artificial intelligence. So, um, so there's a set of students that are doing that. Um, interestingly enough, the, the, the entry GPA into the entrepreneurship program was, was set a little bit lower than some other programs, but the demand is such that uh, that the, actually the, the the GPA and we don't base it solely on GPA obviously because that's not a it's, as we all know that's not a major deter or that's a ma not a major determinant of whether you're going to be successful. Absolutely, yeah. Um, in fact, it's probably the C plus B minus, right? Which I like oh. to get that in there because you know oh two point eight seven from the University of Missouri, Ron Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I've. I've worked at, at Truman, um, and you know this because you're from that area. 
it was the and i and i say this in the nicest kindest possible way but they were all super anal because the admission standards were so incredibly high the the vast majority of the students were were farmed out of private catholic schools so they had that really strict upbringing and we often had to go in the other direction with them like chill out a 3.95 is not the end of the world and hey we would like you to do things besides study and besides you know have your name i'll never forget being at the student um, rec center and being perplexed at how this was even a thing because i know i couldn't do it but i was on a i was on a like a um, balcony thing where the the elliptical machine was and i watched this girl walking the track which was right there where i was was on the elliptical machine with a book in her hand and she's just doing her laps reading a textbook <laughs> and i was like i would fall off the railing you know and i would see them at the football games they'd have a book in their hands before the football game so it's like get out and have a life too so there's balance there but that's a sidetrack so as you see these college um, students who want to be entrepreneurs, what do you see as the biggest challenge for them? Um, probably picking an executable idea, I think is the, you know, that something that has a competitive advantage. Um, yeah, have, and, and, of course, and of course, I mean, there's two components of, there's a piece that you can control, which is what idea do I go after, right? And then there's a piece of, is the market ready for that? So, um, and I, you know, I, I give a specific example. There's a FSU alum who's about 28 years old named Vince Kekasi. Um, and he started Vertebra, which is a virtual reality company out in Santa Monica, California. Um, at 26 or seven, he raised $10.3 million. And he's doing incredible, um, 3D virtual reality animation of, of products for Toyota, Crate and Barrel, um, just an incredible business by, by, a, by a really laid back, uh, very bright young man. Um, but he would acknowledge, you know, if I'd have started this business a year or so earlier, probably would have been too early. If I'd have started a year or two later, might have been too late. So uh, the timing you can't really control, right? But but picking that executable idea, I think, is uh, is the biggest challenge. So what do you see, if you were to name maybe three qualities or characteristics that you think every entrepreneur should have, regardless of what they're selling, what they're producing, what service they're providing, what would those three characteristics be? You know, that that, that question is a, is a tough one because... Um, Entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> there, there are entrepreneurs that, that I don't, you know, because I start off saying, well, you got to be likable and you got to like people. But you think about it, there's some really successful entrepreneurs that, that aren't very likable and <laughs> don't like uh, people. Steve um, Jobs comes to mind. I don't think he was the super personable type. And yet he did. No, kinda, no, he kind of did well. Several, we, we won't get into names, but, you know, there's several <laughs> of them out there. Um, and I, you know, and I guess the other concern I have about that is I, I wouldn't want any of your listeners, you know, who are going through this process and trying to figure out what they want to do, say, "Oh, well, I can't be an entrepreneur because Ron Fraser said you got to be this or you got to be that." Sure, um, sure. But, but I'll take a shot at it. So first of all, I think you got to be curious, um, and and a big part of that curiosity is if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, your most valuable asset. People say it's money, but really it's time you don't have time to reinvent the wheel. And there's a lot of people thought there are a lot of processes and, and programs out there that you could just adopt wholeheartedly. 
it's not going to differentiate you in the marketplace, but it's going to make the trains run on time. And I remember one of my, uh, one of my favorite mentors, Mike Vance was, uh, he started Disney university and, um, he was, he claimed he was the first person after the realtors and the lawyers to come set up Disney world. Um, wonderful, wonderful speaker and a wonderful presenter of ideas and how to, how to grow a business. But, um, he always said, you got to have programs, processes, and celebrations in the, and that process piece is, you know, the, the train's got to run on time. And so that's a challenge to, you know, and if you're not interested in that whole piece of how do I make the trains work, because customers want to, you know, customers can deal, I think, with a, with an experience that's not perfect, you know, if they know you're trying and, and you got close, right? So, so curiosity, I think, is an issue. Um, getting others to do something for you, right? And I, and I speak to, I remember, so I made this leap, I was going to make this leap into sales and there was a guy in the company who wasn't very happy that I was, that I'd been the one selected. And so within earshot of me, he said, oh, he asked another guy, what do you think? You think Frazier will make it in sales? Hoping the guy would say no. Um, and I'll never forget the guy said, uh, yeah, Frazier will make it in sales because he can get other things to do something for him, you know? So, um, <laughs> so I think that that's a, the second piece. The third piece really is the ability to meditate. And I, I heard a wonderful guy um, out at Stanford speak about, you know, if you're a bright individual and then, you know, the, everybody that's listening to this podcast, I think you can fair, safely say is a bright individual. Um, you can focus on about three to seven variables at any one point in time. The average strategic decision about your business incorporates and studies show incorporates about 15 to 20 variables. So you have to rely on the input of others and their thoughts about those other variables. And so you've got to come up with some way to kind of calm your mind and be able to consider their input and how does it all fit together. Um, and I, th I think the ability to meditate, whether it's be you just get out on a bicycle and ride like the wind or, or whether, you, whether you sit and count your breaths or whatever you do, but the ability to, uh, to really calm your mind and think those things through, I think is the, is the third piece I would speak to. Those are good ones. Those are not the ones that, that I would have, I like them all. I would not have uh, thought of those. I, the first thing that came up for me is tenacity because there's going to be so many roadblocks in, in starting any business. Having that ability to just power through and, you know, at the same time, listening to that wisdom that, you know, that, that higher power or other people. So not being bullheaded, but at the same time being willing to deal with failure, which is really what tenacity is. Um, and then I think that um, for me, self um, self motivation and self organization, I see a lot of folks who go into business for the wrong reason, which is that they don't like the constraints of being employed by someone. The nine to five is so constraining to them. And then I see it over and over again. They come out of their job, they start a business, and I call it a business in air quotes, and they don't have the self-motivation to structure themselves when no one is doing it for them, and they play way too much, they get, they don't stay on, on topic, and they are not successful, obviously, so those are a couple that I, I see as well. So, yeah, that's, that's a large part why we have the expo in April and say, okay, we're, you're going to be selling something in April, so... Um. Yeah, so we, it's easy to spend that first semester thinking and, and having ideas and, and grand illusions and then, oh my goodness, it's second semester and in a month or so, 
I got I got to have some product to sell, right? And then there's a wild scramble. So I, I would totally I would totally agree with that. Exactly, and I hope you'll invite me if if the community can come to that on the on the green because I would love to come to that in April. That would be really yeah, we'd fun. Love to have you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So if we've got some 20 somethings out there who are thinking about entrepreneurship, they're out doing either they're still in college or they're out doing a job working in corporate or government or whatever. What, what piece of advice would you give them if they're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? Um, I, th I think I, I think I can break that down into about three pieces. So uh, the first is don't limit yourself, right? Most people's lim biggest limitation in life is is between their ears. <laughs> yep. Um, and if you can overcome that, I mean, if you know, and and it, yes, that may mean you need to change your perception of yourself, right? I mean, you may go from from I'm a little introvert. I don't I don't walk up to the counter at McDonald's and order my soda to. Uh, <laughs> To a, to a sales guy that you, you got to figure out how to hush up sometimes. Um, yeah. So I'd say don't limit yourself. Um, second one I think is figure out what you really want to do. Right. And then once you figure out what you want, really want to do, figure out some way to get involved in it. Um, for instance, let's just take uh, the, the field of uh, augmented reality and virtual reality uh, of the hires. There's been a study done of the hires in the last two years in that field. It was growing very rapidly. Over 50% of the hires had no experience in the field whatsoever. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So there are, you know, obviously there are a set of people, and I actually got a chance to listen to a panel of them speak. There are a chance of, there's a panel of people, I think it was like four or five, who've been at it 15, 20 years, kind of the world's gurus. But the, but the people that are going to execute a business and help build a business in, in those fields and a number of fields, the experience is, isn't out there. And if you really show the interest in it, take some interest in, obviously you can, you know, you can learn these things. I mean, there's so many tools. It's, I'm sure you speak too regularly on your podcast about how you go about learning and picking up new knowledge in these fields. Um, so I'd say figure out what you really want to do. And then the third piece of advice, I guess I, I typically offer is studies show that if you start a business, uh, depend on its success and, and your tenacity, um, you're going to spend about three to 20% of your life in that business. And, and maybe when you're 20, that doesn't seem like a big chunk of your life, but, but 20% of your life, and particularly, particularly the most energetic part of your life is a big part of your life. Um, so think long and hard about what you really want to do. I think that's great advice. And I think kind of to speak to your first point about not limiting yourself, I think that, um, oftentimes it's kind of the same question I get from folks who are thinking about a career change. The question that they come to me with is what should I do? I had one just night before last and she is, she is middle career and she's like, what, what can I do with my skill set? It's like, she's, it's like someone is allowing her, you know, like there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, career police out there. They're like, Nope, that's against the law. You can't, you can't pursue that career. And I think it's that same concept with, with business. It's like, what, what should I start a business in? And I think it has to be, there's a piece of, the should piece comes in in terms of using some wisdom from market research, but there's also got to be that right brain entering into the equation of what really inspires me, what motivates me, what excites me to my core. And then I think sitting with that for a while so that you 
know for sure that that is not a sort of passing whim, but something that is deeply rooted in who you are and, and what you're put on this earth to do. Yeah, I, I always use the example. I, uh, I I was an athlete in high school and college and thought I wanted to be a coach and uh, and, and actually was a volunteer coach one one fall and um, I found out there's like one there's one thing in the world more boring than running wind sprints and that that's watching another human being run wind sprints, <laughs> which doesn't do any good for your health or anything. So uh, yeah, I, I but I think that I think that applies to being a, an entrepreneur in particular. There's a you know, it's not necessarily just doing the, you know, let's say on an artistic level, it's not just doing the artistic work. It's, it's running the business and keeping the accounts and dealing with customer problems and, and a whole bunch of other things that aren't the necessarily the fun part of the, of, of the business. And, and if you remember guys, I talked a few weeks ago about kind of, um, you know, if, if some aspect of your, either your, I have to remember what it said, but your um, kind of your passion, your expertise, if some of that, a piece of that is missing. And if the piece that's missing is the expertise, you're doomed to failure. So you can be super passionate about something and super, um, you know, kind of, this is the thing that I'm meant to do. But if there is a shortcoming in there and, and for entrepreneurs, it shows up as, you know, I'm great at creating this widget, but I, I refuse to look at books and numbers and deal with the reality of my finances. Or it could be, you know, I'm, I'm great at making widgets, but I, you know, I don't know how to sell widgets. I'm not willing to get out there and learn how to sell widgets. And so really recognizing that area that you're weak in and getting help with it, especially if you're starting a solopreneurship in the beginning where you kind of have to cover all the bases. And I actually think that's a great way for many people to start because what I found out about entrepreneurship, and I'm still largely a solopreneur, is that I can't hide from anything because I do it all. And so I have to know how to do, I have to have some level of knowledge about a whole lot of things and I don't get to hide in a corner. And, and to some degree, you can do that when you work in corporate America. There are, you know, depending on your job duties, you may not have to ever deal with finances or numbers or whatever, or you may never have to deal with sales and getting out in front of the public, but you really have to do all of that as an entrepreneur. Does not mean you have to have that skill set going in. You just have to be willing to learn. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there any other advice you want to give our listeners today, Ron? Um, I would just say that if you want to do it, there's a lot. It's, it's unbelievable. Um how many people out there are willing to help you? Um, and there's a, I, I can't think of the lady's name, but there's a, there's a wonderful YouTube about um, asking um, about it, about a lady who's a singer and a performer and just ask. And anyway, um, Very cool. don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. I always tell budding entrepreneurs that there is, no shortage of information out there. So whatever it is you're afraid you don't know how to do, there is, there are coaches, there are YouTube videos, there are books, there are seminars, there are continuing education courses, there's the SCORE, which is the Service Corps of Retired Executives. There's so many resources. So never let an area where you think you don't know how to do something hold you back. If that's the only reason you're not moving forward, I tr trust me that there is, there is a plethora of help out there. There's, if anything, it is an overabundance of help. 
So Ron, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, I'm going to put your whatever contact information you're comfortable with, I'll put it in the show notes, but how would they reach out to you with a question or a comment? Um, yeah, so you can just, uh, let's see, FraserRon78 at gmail.com is probably it, the easiest. And it's F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. Right, Ron. Okay, excellent. Well, I'll put that in there, and I'm sure he sounds like he's very active on LinkedIn, so reach out to him, as you guys are all doing with me as well. Um, so, Ron, I want to thank you. This has been so good. I love this conversation, and I hope that it has been inspiring, affirming, um, in, at, at minimum interesting, even if you have no interest in entrepreneurship. I don't know about you, but I know you mentioned curiosity being one of those main criteria. And I'm curious about any kind of window into something that I don't know or don't understand. So even, which is what I do in my business. So I get someone, I'll, I'll never forget one of my first clients that I ever had as a resume writer was someone who went all over the world and valued valuated resort properties and so he had the skill set within kind of the real estate realm to go and give a valuation of the physical plant all the buildings the you know the amenities the land itself and all of that for the sale of a, of a resort property and I just it, like I never knew that existed and I had so many questions for him of course I'm not going to go out there and do that that's not my skill set but I was fascinated and I've never forgotten that and that's one of the things I continue to love the most about the work that I do as a resume writer is I get that window in to other career fields and, and it's just fascinating me. So um, I hope that on at least on that level, this has been an interesting conversation for you guys. As always, I want to be your career coach. So leave me a note. A lot of you have been reaching out to me via email and I've had just a couple of you every week seem to connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's Lisa Edwards. Don't forget it's L-E-S-A. And I'm sure I'm the first one who will come up. I got, as I have said before, I've got big old feet on LinkedIn. And my email address is L-E-S-A at exclusivecareercoaching.com. You can find me on Facebook at Exclusive Career Coaching. Find me on Instagram at lisa.edwards. So reach out to me. A lot of you have been doing that. And we didn't do it this week. But as I have said in previous episodes, I've been reading reviews that you guys have given me on iTunes. So hook me up with a review. iTunes has made it so much easier now. You know, you can do it right from the podcast, right? So you don't have to go someplace weird like you used to. It's right there. You can click on the five star and you can click the write a review and it's super way easier than it used to be. So I hope you'll do that. And then I'll read your review on a future episode. So take care and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.